Hello and welcome to the Cycling Dads podcast, the podcast for dads who ride. I am once again Aaron Thomas Smith, your host, joined as always with Devin Palmer. Remax results. Good af- Good evening. Good night. Good afternoon. It's good late. evening, and good night to you, Aaron. It's late tonight. Uh, uh, getting this getting this intro in uh, for our latest episode. Um, how are you doing on this fine Sunday evening? Aaron, I would be lying if I said I was anything but a little tense. A little tense. Aaron, you heard me. Aaron, please, of all nights, don't make me repeat myself. little tense, huh? What, what's got you all uh, tensed up there, bud? Our house is for sale. Ooh. So for a week, we have been uh, moving all of our junk and hiding all of our stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we are normal people and we have a huge amount of stuff and we don't want any clutter in the house while it's for sale and while we're getting photos done. So we have been living in a pretend world where we are clean people who have no stuff. Okay. And okay. that is very difficult to live that way with our two-year-old daughter. So <laughs> we, that's, it's just been, it's been a real week. I, I'm, I feel you, man. I'm, I'm sorry. That's, uh, that sounds rough. I don't think I could hide the fact that I, uh, have two children on short notice like that. So it is, it just comes with a few, um, few extra challenges and complications for our day. So we're just kind of managing everything day by day for the moment. Now, the good news though, however, is with this market, I mean, are you just getting buyers just kind of falling over themselves for your, uh, your home? Yeah. Our property, with the combo of quality, condition, updates, character, location, and yard. Um, yes. That is a primo location. Yep. So if anyone is shopping South Minneapolis near Lake Nicomas, your host, Devin Palmer with Remax Results, has a house <laughs> for you. <laughs> Three bed, two bath, one car garage, gorgeous garden, updated bathrooms, updated kitchen, it's actually a really large kitchen for a South Minneapolis house. Okay. That's, I mean, I... Aaron, have I'm, you ever been in this house? I've never been in your house, Devin. Well, hey, it's for sale. <laughs> I, I was actually just in a kitchen today that reminded me about how much I hate my kitchen. So, it's good for you. It's good that you... Would you nice be house. interested in a kitchen that's kind of sunny, it's southwest-facing, it's larger, it has an custom-crafted island, subway tile backsplash? Yeah, subway tile, man. I, I lose my shit for some subway tile. I know. I know it's kind of done. I know it's basically like the black leggings of kitchen backsplashes. I don't care. I'm basic. It's... No, the, no, no, no. You're wrong. There, there was an era of backsplashes where it's the little small tiles... Subway tile is, is really, it's just solid and it's a good look and it's a clean, solid thing. I think it'll hold up better over time. I so think are black leggings. Devin. So are black leggings. That little mini tile. Do you know the stuff I'm talking about? It's like the most basic stuff do. you can the get off the shelf. Like, the thing that's in like every other kitchen in South Minneapolis? Yes. Yeah. And it was, I feel like it hit hard in maybe 2013, 14, 15. So it's like of a few years ago. It does not hold up over time. There's certain styles. I saw that in new construction. Like you could pick out certain builds like, oh, that's a 2013 style 
front elevation or color scheme. To um, our listeners, yeah. um, do you enjoy this talk? Uh, please, please email us. Listen, you asked. You got us down this road. Um, Devin, would you like to know how my weekend's going? Hey, Aaron, why don't you catch me and the listeners up on your life, bud? You sound you sound tense. So I uh, today, well, this weekend has been uh, quite lovely. Yesterday, Aaron, when you say you sound tense. Are you gaslighting me? Is that gaslighting? <laughs> you sound tense. Um, I uh, uh, made a I made four pounds of killer ribs uh, yesterday mm-hmm. night and had the family over and shared that, uh, playing around with that. In, by the way, an instant pot, buy it. All you needed for is ribs. Just ribs. Really? Okay. You, do, you throw them in there. You have a perfect set of ribs done in like 30 minutes. You throw them in the oven for like five to 10 to get the nice, nice, Bark on it and boom, done. Can you I mean, clarify, sure. Are we talking beef, pork, pork? Okay. Yeah, St. Louis, by the way. No, none of this baby back. No, thank you. But like ribs where the bone just comes out perfectly clean, nice, ready to go. Um, and yeah, so I did that yesterday. And out of four pounds of ribs, I probably have like half a pound left. And then uh, today did the coffee ride, yep. which was great. Um, experienced something that I think everyone who's group ride who has been on group rides for any amount of time has where you have very different levels of abilities and you have different expectations. And so, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of stuff, but I think what I'm going to do pretty soon here is a clinic to help uh, uh, get folks um, through Birchwood to help get folks kind of up to speed. Cause as it turns out, Devin, there are a lot of people who are picking up this fine sport of cycling. And that's uh, very exciting to me. Only this, this morning. So if you have a, larger group with a wider diversity of speeds did you just say like hey you guys go we're going to split up and hang back or did you try and keep it together it's a no drop so we try to keep it together today we had a situation where i was on the front and you know there's that thing and again listeners i would love to hear your opinion on this but one of the things that i uh do when i'm leading a ride especially if there's a bad headwind and there was a pretty bad headwind today is I'll, I'll be pushing myself pretty hard. And what I'm telling myself is, oh, I'm only going hard because I'm at the front taking the wind, not because I'm going fast. And then I don't check my speed or I don't really pay attention to how fast we're going. And so the 15 mile ride for a short period of time was doing 22, 23, which is not what it's supposed to be doing. And that's when we had our split. There was also an ill-timed red light, which again, if you get a large enough group, red lights are something you need to consider. Yeah paying attention and and it was just there's a that do you know exactly the intersection where it happened going over 77 um uh, on 65 off of the airport right and that's that's like two uh uh, lights that go very quick um very hard to kind of get everyone across especially if you have people who are just catching up when you hit the light and then people who are going as soon as it turns green so um anyways it was it was a it was a good reminder and it's it's interesting to kind of deal with that problem some more because that's something that I just described reflects to me poor stewardship on your end of the ride (laughs) yeah you were going recklessly hard I think I I would argue that stretch is the most dangerous as far as your interactions with cars because you also Mm -hmm. then go into that roundabout that you have to navigate so Mm -hmm. you would want the whole group calm controlled and tightly clustered to carefully circumvent that and here you are coming in hard so everyone's a little out of breath yep you're splitting the group up 
Yeah, I think let's talk off air about your performances for <laughs> on that. It was it was not my uh, uh, best moment, and uh, it, and as penance, what I ended up doing is we got to a point where I was like, okay, clearly we've dropped these two individuals. I uh, had an individual I trust take everyone back to the cafe. Um, we had a few people who just decided to pull off because of how hot it was today, anyways. And I went back and I tried to find them. I was unable to find them because they, being the smart individuals that they are, went straight back to the cafe with a much nicer route than we had planned, um, which they could do because there were only two people instead of 15, which is kind of the problem. Another problem of leading a group ride is you can't go the same places that you go by yourself with 15 people. It just doesn't yeah. work that well. So, Especially um, in the metro, it's a group really doesn't fit on certain certain routes. Yeah, Minnehaha Parkway, beautiful route. You got more than two? No, don't do it. Like there, there's going to be families. There's going to be, you know, other people. It's just not a good time. The Greenway for a time was like group ride heaven. And then people found out about it. And now it's, you can no longer do it. So anyways, this is all just to explain, but not just my weekend, but also I think something that I, a lot of people who listen to this might uh, want some insight into, or, or, you know, maybe you're just starting group riding or maybe you've been group riding for a long time. I'd be really interested to hear people's take on this. I know that people kind of split into two different groups, people who have group who have done this for a long time, they tend to go uh, more insular and they just do like a text thread and like invite three or four people because they don't want to deal with the, the unknowns of other people, which I totally get and respect. Um, but a, a big part of what gets me on the bike is encouraging others to ride and, and, and enjoy group riding. And so um, if anyone has tips on, on that, uh, please let me know. Yeah. It gets tricky. You said no drop and I no drop is a certain, it has a certain implications. I would encourage you to think of it as a sensible split is not the same thing as dropping. Dropping people is like, okay, we've, we've ramped up speeds and people are getting jetted out the back in a out of control fashion. But if you say like, Oh, okay. uh, Hey, you guys know the route. Why don't you guys, why don't you four zip off the front, go do your thing. And we're going to keep to the, you know, the plan 16 or 18 mile, you know, whatever the, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, the, and I think, uh, and, and something that I really was considering before this ride, and it's just reaffirmed it to me is two things. One, I want to lead the clinic because I, we are finding all these new people who are doing this and that's fantastic, but they, there's a lot of things I was talking with Anthony Taylor of melanin in motion today, just a great guy. Um, he's doing I everything. Really get, uh, yeah, he's, he's fantastic. So we, we were chatting for a little bit and talking about this and, um, Anthony was bringing up that, you know, which is very true. There's just a lot of things that we take for granted, right. As road cyclists and for mountain biking, I think because of the the concern of crashing and hitting trees, and there's a lot more emphasis on like progression of skill. Whereas with cycling, I mean, even the coffee ride, there's still like 50 things that you have to know to like, before you can just get thrown into it. And we just kind of say, Nope, do it, throw into it. And if you get dropped, you get dropped and, and we'll figure that out. So that was the first thing. And the second thing was I need to bring another individual in as a, a sweep, you know, as a person Co-pilot. who can make that sense. Yeah. Who yep. can make that sensible split be at the back and say like, okay, these two individuals are are not able to keep up or aren't having a good time or, or don't feel comfortable in a big group. We're going to split off and do, you know, something else. So it was, you know, it's, uh, and, and thankfully, Tracy, uh, uh, who, by the way, is the owner of Virtual Cafe, one of the people who I did drop today, uh, was very understanding and very kind. Um, and uh, we, you know, we, we want to work together to get more people on bikes. The other but thing that happened This whole today, story 
a reason to tell us about how you were dropping people? No, no, it's not. And it wasn't really me dropping mm-hmm. them. I was, I was feeling pretty out of shape today. Mm-hmm. The other thing that happened today is I went to the, my aunt's pool, which was lovely. Um, and my children played in a pool for about three hours straight. Uh, and they are both out right now. O U T out. Um, and it was kind of funny because I used to, when I was their age, I would go to my aunt's pool, which is, uh, funny to take them to the same place. And a lot of the pool's toys are the same and they do the same things. And it's, it's a very, uh, um, cool kind of, kind of circle of life, Lion King thing. So Lion King thing. Lion King no thing. pools. I mean, what a, yeah. Let the kids burn off that energy. Is there well, anything better? There's nothing. There's nothing better than, uh, for me driving in my van with my children completely out in the back, um, watching the sunset and just getting some peace and quiet. That's, those are one of those moments that I think, you know, as a dad, there's, that's, eh, there's not much that beats that. That was yep. pretty great. So anyways, Devin, yep. What, who, who do we, well, well, I mean, first off, cause it's going to be brought up on this episode. Do you want to? Oh, well, I spent five minutes complaining about how clean my house is and how hard it is to live clean because it's for sale. I'm selling my house because I bought a new house because we're moving. And we are moving because we have a second kiddo coming. That, that's huge. Those are both very huge things. And we've spent, I don't know, 15 minutes talking about stuff that doesn't matter. Uh, we did go into a lot of stuff that doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, We are having a son. He is coming in early September. Our current home is a perfect home. It has been a perfect home. We've been here a decade, so it's really emotional um, to leave it behind. That's a big change. And we're, you know, we're so plugged into the neighborhood and used to the lifestyle here. Um, But we're, we're puzzling through, okay, when Devin Jr. arrives uh, you know, how do we Wait. make this basis work? Wait, Devin Jr. I thought it was Brandon Krawcheck Palmer. Is that not, you told me it was Brandon Krawcheck Palmer. That's a separate thing for now. The, the placeholder we're using is Devin Jr. Also because it's very funny to say Devin Jr. It is pretty funny. If Brandon Krawcheck, friend of mine, friend of yours, if he consents to move back to Minnesota, I will name my child after him. Does that mean that in the event of your untimely death, Brandon would then inherit said son and therefore all of your lands and titles and serfs? I can tell that you sell chamois and that you're not an attorney. So we're just going to move on. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we, we have a kiddo coming. If Brandon moves back to Minnesota, I'll name my kid after him. Um, Brandon. Uh, that to be clear, when I say if Brandon moves back, that means Brandon and Abby have to purchase a home in Minnesota and use me as their agent. Those are the stip- like let to, that would be the full disclosure. Those are the full nitty gritty details. I feel like and we, we would have to close on that property within sixty days. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. We're getting into like the nitty gritty yeah. of the contract. We got to get this to Ben Tram. Ben will you know work that yeah. out for you, and and then you can sign on the dotted line with blood. Um, ben is the pro bono attorney of this podcast. So now that you are joining, Is it okay to call him a pro bono attorney when he has agreed, not agreed to be our attorney? Uh, Devin, I thought we were trying to make this a non-explicit podcast. I don't really want to be talking about any bonos. Okay. So 
now that you are joining the 2K Club. 2K Club. 2K Club. Today's guest, Lev, who is, interestingly enough, our first second time guest. First repeat guest. First repeat guest. First, first two-time guest. Two is a very important number in this podcast. Two-time first guest. Two-time father, guest. Hey, Aaron, father of two. He's a father uh, of Recent three. father of two. I am mm-hmm. an elder father of two. And you will become a father of two. Yep. That's kind of what we, what we talked about today. We got into it. And you know, it's funny. Me, future father of two. Him, new father of two. You, experienced father of two. The volume of hair we each have left on our heads kind of reflects the stages where we're at. Because you obviously have no hair left. Zero. Love has, love has a fair amount, but it, you know, less than me. And I think we're going to see a pretty rapid acceleration of my hair loss as, as soon as Devin Jr. comes. It, it does. Uh, see, there's a correlation for sure. I'm not, I'm not sure about causation because to be fair, my hair was gone before my first child was born. Oh yeah. 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 yeah Cause you, you got rid of it when you started listening to Joe Rogan. Uh, n- <laughs> no, I got rid of it when I realized that my hairline was not coming back and I was 20 and then it was like a preemptive strike thing. So it's more of a LeBron situation. Yeah. It was, it was really like uh, fine. If you don't want to be there for me, I'm not going to be there for you. And then I just uh, buzzed it all off. And let me put uh, it to you this way to the horror of, of most of my close friends and family. How, how many subscribers do we need to hit with this podcast to start generating revenue to subsidize you getting Elon Musk style hair replacement? Um, there didn't is Le- no, didn't LeBron also there replenish is, there, his hairline? There is no number because I um, actually really enjoy being bald. Yeah, but okay. What well, was the real number though? No, I like, I like really enjoy. I, I really but like Aaron. People appreciate the authentic Aaron and you're being really fake right now. <laughs> so what's just, let's, let's try to, let's try to set a goal together. Okay. Aaron, okay. We get I, enough subscribers to subsidize your refreshed hairline, LeBron so and Elon style. Today's today's episode. We got left back on uh, coaching, not us as cyclists, but rather Devin as a future dad of two. Yep. Uh, which was uh, an awesome conversation. Um, and we're going to get into that. Before we get into that, though, we do need to mention that the kit that we uh, did a pre-order for, um, the Cool Dads Cycling Club kit, which uh, you can actually purchase even if you missed the pre-order because, Devin, a local bike shop has it in stock. Now bikes on snowing. Now Bikes and Fitness on Snelling. Rich, who is also a previous podcast guest, has brought in a size run, and we already have an individual who has purchased one. Uh, Randy, thank you very much. We do appreciate that. Um, so if you are looking to uh, look sharp this summer, it is a white kit. It is it is meant for like two, three wears before you, know, you start to have to think about the bleach. But um, it is uh, sharp. And, uh, it looks I good, yeah. Like I hope y'all like it. Um, cool. Anything else you want to say, Devin, before we get into it? Randy, come on the podcast. What's wrong with you, Randy? That is, that is a great uh, note. Anyways, uh, enjoy, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and we will see you all next Monday with another interview.
Hello and welcome again to the Cycling Dads podcast, the podcast for dads who ride. I am once again Aaron Thomas Smith, your host, joined as always with Devin Palmer, Remax Results. What? Devin Palmer, Remax Results. Sorry, I had a modest malfunction of my brain just now. Devin, we have that we have done 20 episodes where you have said the exact same thing. People bring it up to me constantly about how your name and Remax results are now merged, uh, if not legally, at least in the zeitgeist. And that was the that was the first trip up. Do you want to leave it in the episode? Because we can just restart it and no one would know. Hey, I want to people have such an impression that I'm really perfect. And I want I want to leave that error in the episode so that people can relate more to me. I do. I do think people have trouble relating to you. Uh, I will agree with that. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Aaron, you know who I don't have trouble relating to? Our guest. Why don't you introduce him? Our guest today is our first, actually, <laughs> both our second uh, uh, time guest and third time guest because we are re-recording this. So, uh, uh, Lev uh, Cullum-Carrion, thank you so much for not only recording an episode with us, but then re-recording the episode after... Uh, the internet ate our files. So welcome back, Lev. It's very good to have you. Lev, welcome back again. Thank you for uh, having me again and again. We were, I mean, last week when we recorded, we were thinking, what an honor to have you on for a second time. And now, just one week later, hat trick. (laughs) So congratulations to you. Thank you very much. You've kind of, it's like you lapped the field really with this. You're almost showboating at this point. Yeah, I mean, my jersey is zipped up, my hands are up in the air, and uh, feels good. Feels good to win. Now, Lev, if I may, this is your third appearance, the second that the listening audience will actually hear. But I just want to make sure that you still belong. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us, Lev, do you have kids? Yes, I have two. Okay, okay. And Lev, do you ride bicycles? Yeah, still riding. Okay, Aaron, we're cleared for takeoff on round three with Lev. That's great, because once again, I would like to mention that I feel like asking the second and third time is a little morbid, because if one thing has changed, that could be real dark, real quick. But I do appreciate your dedication to the podcast and consistency, Devin. Um, Lev, uh, real quick, the other thing that I, thought, I actually I messed up. you were up, talking about my dedication to the podcast. You are equally dedicated. You're kind of, I'm kind of the a, third co-host. Yeah. He's, the, he's the third most dedicated person to this podcast. This is the, pretty serious. The fourth most dedicated person is my mother who listens to every episode and then texts me her uh, insight. Um, oh. And also feedback disappointment in uh, my choice in uh, word spice. So, Oh, so your mother and I do agree that you need to tone down your incredible cursing the spicy words not a fan of the spicy words um anyways lev i messed up on the very first episode we had not the second one but the first one and i forgot to ask you the most important question which is as dads who ride bikes time is limited it's hard to get out there but credit card funds maybe not so much easy to go out there and swipe on the bike shop support your lbs and get a sick ride to help kind of make up some of those watts what is your current bicycle of choice yeah current bicycle of choice the one that i ride the most is definitely going to be my uh 
specialized S-Works Tarmac that I've had since 2016, 2017 maybe. Dang. So, yeah, it's been a very nice bike. So, And then is I also – oh, go ahead. I was going to say, is that like the red with like the, the bright blue, like red, orange, bright blue, or am I – It's a red, white, and blue, navy blue with some – uh mainly white and then has some red a- it's accents. a crisp look yeah. yeah it's the sl5 version yeah yep 2015 model year <laughs> i had i also had one of those and foolishly sold it yeah it's a very nice uh very nice bike so very comfortable yeah. and uh yeah i also have like a, a lay uh sprint frame that i use but that was a bit too it got a bit too the aluminum was a bit too rough on my back <laughs> So mm. plan to set that one up and uh, use that for indoor riding sometime oh, when nice. I get around to it. The LA really went through a renaissance. I think, who was the first local rider? I think Jordan Cullen um, started an LA renaissance <laughs> where he just got all, you know, like suddenly Brandon Krawcheck had to have an LA and Peter had to, like all these people suddenly had to have an LA. Yeah. And I think they need they need to acknowledge that Jordan Cullen really kicked off something. Are we first off the LA is, I mean, just like the good news for you, Lev is if you decide to sell your LA, you can get more than market, whatever you paid for it. Like that's, that is just a known thing. You can sell a 1998 specialized LA for three grand, right? With one Oh five period, correct components beat to hell. I mean, LA is just sell for ridiculous sums on the resale market. So you're set there. That said, are we saying that Brandon Krawcheck made a bicycle decision based off of Jordan Cullen? That's exactly what we're saying. That's that's a Brandon is surprisingly impressionable. That's a that's a controversial take there, uh, Mister Mister Devon. Brandon became enamored with the LA and got one and chooses to ride it for no reason. He has all kinds of different options. He could be riding carbon, which is so much more comfortable, but he chooses the LA. Okay. Well, anyways. Our friend Brandon is obtuse, and hey, if he wants to come on the podcast and defend himself, he can't. He can't because he's not a dad. Sorry, Brandon. I'm sorry. He could call in and leave us a message defending himself. Maybe some comments in Facebook or Instagram. Mm-hmm. I've been I've been dealing with negative Facebook comments enough lately. I don't think I need any more, especially not hey, from you, some Yahoo in Tennessee. Are you getting picked on online? No. Are you the victim of online bullying, Aaron? I'm not the victim of online bullying. Anyways, okay. we should get to the meat of this conversation, which is for our listeners who have heard the intro, they are now aware, Devin, that you are expecting a second child. Yes, a son. What? Wow. Yes. Congratulations. Love. Thank you. That's exciting. Thank you. Thank you for this acting that you're doing because we told you this last week, <laughs> but we did want to capture your response on the podcast. Let's, so let us just really quickly recount the ways because that was such a, a beautiful and uh, accurate de- portrayal of, of surprise from Lev. Let us count the ways in which Lev is now aware uh, that you are having a son. There was an email blast. There was a video. There was a Facebook post. There was an Instagram post. There was the first episode we recorded. There was the pre-roll for that episode. Uh-huh. And then there was the pre-roll for this episode. So and all, of, all, also of texted to, me. all of that to demonstrate <laughs> what a consummate professional guest Lev is. Yes. My dedication to this podcast. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, we, Aaron, if I may, you may hey, take a breath, take a seat. I'm speaking, Aaron, we're having our second kiddo. We're moving over to St. Paul. 
Lev, you are a newer second time dad. Aaron's a little more experienced. So me as a future second dad or two time dad, I'm looking for a little insight from the two of you. So let's begin with some tips. Lev, you're a professional coach, so I'm going to let you really take the reins here and and try to do whatever you can to ensure that whatever this second spawn is that Devin has created does not eventually turn into what some cultures might call the Antichrist. <laughs> yeah, tips tips and tricks for two. And uh, essentially, you have a toddler and an infant, or you will. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Boy and girl, which I don't have experience with because we have two boys. So, um, I because you're so alpha, exactly. Um, so, you know, I've I've heard that boys are a lot tougher than than girls, and early on, and then it kind of switches. Um, but you know, every kid is a is individual. So some people have easy boys, some people have hard, you know, girls that are tough, and vice versa or whatever. So, um, I don't know. It's you're going to be it, the, it's a constant, you know, you're, you're always trying to figure things out as you go. So there's not really, you got to be, the biggest thing is being patient, I found. And that's tough for me to do. Being very patient with uh, the process of the, you know, infant growing and, you know, the, the crying is tough uh, for myself. Um, listening to them cry and not being able to console them if they're tired or if they're, you know, you try to, you run through all the, you know, are they hungry? Do they need a diaper change? Are they tired? And you go through all that and they're still upset. It's, that's a tough mm-hmm. thing. So being patient is super important. And then, uh, yeah, setting aside time for yourself and time for yourself and time for your spouse, your wife. And, you know, it's also important for both of you to go out and enjoy time together too. Cause that's something that's, there's so, there's so much noise in the house that it's hard for you two to have a conversation. Um, yeah. Because like for us, we have, we'll be trying to have a conversation and we have a toddler that's, you know, wants to be the center of attention. And he's got a lot to he's say. He's got a lot to say and he's, you know, chattering and jibber jabbering all the time. So we can't, it's hard for us to have a conversation. And then by the end of the <laughs> night, we're like, you know, we're pretty tired. So <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no. When, um, for you, Lev, you got to the toddler phase with the first one and life's different, but maybe a little closer to normal because everyone's sleeping through the night more by the time they're a toddler. So Thea and I are just getting there where we're feeling like we're getting the hang of it. We've got more of a sleep schedule. We've got more routine with our life. I'm a little anxious going back to the infant phase where it's almost complete chaos. Yeah. Was that a big challenge on your end as well? Yeah, well, our son was born two months premature, so he was in the NICU for about, I think it was like five to six weeks, mm. and you know that was during COVID. So um, we were there every day for, you know, as soon as we'd wake up, we'd, you know, take care of our our son or our toddler, and one of us would head in while the other one was staying home because uh, Stacy got COVID. So then our toddler had to be quarantined for 24 days from daycare. So we couldn't have, we didn't have daycare for about a, you know, a month in the, in the winter time. But luckily my, uh, in-laws came and helped us out, uh, quite a bit. So that was nice. So we could both go and, um, be with 
uh, our son in the, in the NICU, but like there was definitely two months where we weren't, we were sleeping fine. And, um, you know, he was just needing to get stronger and grow and be able to do all the, the checklists to get out of the, the NICU. Um, but now, yeah, the sleeping, he's waking up, you know, now he, he, so he's six months now and waking up, um, two to three times a night, uh, taking a bottle for about 15 minutes and then back to bed. Uh, so he's not before he was up and it was like maybe an hour process to feed and, you know, get him back to bed and, and settled. So, um, but yeah, my wife, uh, Stacy has done, done the majority of that. So she, she gets all the credit. I, uh, I do not get credit for that. (laughs) Yeah. So are you guys starting to feel a little beat up from the, uh, the, the interfered with sleep? Yeah, she's definitely sleeping a lot less than I am. So my role, you know, our roles, our roles going into this, we're going to be, you know, as we discussed, we're like, you know, I'll, I'll be taking on Luca more often because uh, he's high energy and needs, you know, like he's, he's running down the stairs, he's out the door in the backyard, throwing rocks in the pond and chasing the dog around. So it's like, you need to really be ready for that and running around with him. So it's, and you need to have be well rested for that too. Cause that's pretty exhausting. Yeah. And he's just nonstop all day. I think uh, one of the things that you mentioned, Lev, that I really liked, and it's something that in my own dad life, even since the first episode we recorded, the first second episode we recorded with you, the first second episode um, is patience. And, I did not realize when you have your first kid, I feel like it's there's still at a point where you can kind of play hot potato, right? Like when you're done, you can be like, okay, partner, I really need you to take this kid right now because I, I'm not in my best parent space, right? I'm not, I need to go cool off. I need to go for a walk. I need to do whatever. Um, and when you have two kids, that's pretty much gone. And in a lot of cases, those two kids can, you know, in the words of the Swanson brothers, one plus one does not equal two. One plus one equals like 10 when it, when it comes to kids, because all of a sudden it's completely different game. You know, even though you can play kind of zone defense, you're, you're pretty much outnumbered. Um, And so one of the things that I've had to remind myself lately has been extremely helpful is, and hopefully Devin, this is helpful for you. And I'm being 100% sincere, so i got to put some money in the sincerity jar later, uh, is when I get to that space, and it's usually later in the day where I realize that I've lost my patience and like I'm not the patient dad that I like to think I am in the morning or in the afternoon, I just kind of give myself like a little bit of, okay, that's fine. You know, I don't need to... I feel that anger rising up in me and I can just kind of let that go and just acknowledge like, Oh, that's why it's happening. Like it's been, it's been a long day and just give myself a little bit of a break and say, you know what? Let's just put cocoa melon on, you know, whatever. Let's just, you know, let's I'll throw up. There's a, a, a anime show about, animals who work at a tv station that my daughter lila adores i'll throw that on right maybe it's it's you know japanese lessons whatever but just giving yourself that grace and and also for your partner like if you come home and you know like the house is a mess or you know things are a little bit crazy you just kind of say hey that it probably sucked a lot when you were gone as opposed to uh uh kind of getting into that space of like well i've been working all day and what have you been doing type of a thing so um but patience, man, that's, it's tough. That's a tough one. Yeah. And 
You know, I got a, before we had our first one, I got a, a great piece of advice from a fellow uh, client cyclist and dad. And he, he said, you know, if it, you're going to, the kid is, you're going to have him, he's going to be screaming. He's going to be upset. It's going to be really, you know, you're not going to know what to do or you, you've done everything and there's nothing else. And they're just really upset. And you can feel yourself like boiling up inside because, you know, you're the dad, you want to help. That's what you're there for. And, yeah, you start getting frustrated, a little upset. So his piece of advice, which was, which I've used, was just like put the baby down, walk away, make sure the baby is safe in a good space. You know, there's we have baby monitors, and just walk away and take like take a few seconds to just like collect yourself, and then go back in. Um, because yeah, I definitely feel that once you, I mean, my wife <laughs> Stacy can feel it too when I start to get worked up. It's like, okay, just <laughs> walk away. <laughs> so reset your composure. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it's tough to do. Um, it's tough to do. And frankly, it's something I'm sure plenty of people have been through that in their sporting lives, you know, in, a, in either in a session or in a race Yeah, where it's like, okay, hold on. I'm driving myself crazy right now. Yeah. Let's flip the attitude here and focus on what, what can be done. Right. Yeah, the, I, I feel like when things go off the track, uh, just having the, the grace to be like, that's fine. Like, this is part of it, too, as opposed to thinking, you know, just just getting stuck on that and like not being able to get past it. And then that's where that frustration comes in. And, you know, I've, I've told this to a lot of people, but I've never been more angry as a person than after I had two kids. <laughs> and that and that was such a um, that was such a mind uh, uh just blowing moment for me to realize that I've always considered myself a really kind, a really gentle, a really easygoing person. That's a big part of my personal identity. And when I was faced with these emotions that, you know, what I realized is I push them down. But when I was faced with these emotions and there was no escape from them, it was all of a sudden, oh crap, maybe I'm just actually a really angry person and I just <laughs> pretend to be, you know. And then, you know, you realize like, oh, actually a baby's crying is insanely difficult to deal with as a parent like it really does get you um in it, like a yeah. uh, uh you know like a, a primal way what were you gonna say left it, it's more when it's your own i feel yeah when i hear yeah. another baby crying like in a store i'm like well that's not my problem that's too bad for you <laughs> yeah <laughs> but there, there have been some like watching some movies where the infant is like crying in the movie and i've like turned the volume off or, or mute the TV is just like, oh my gosh, that's bad. It, it is. Uh, and it, again, with like the first, it was easy. I could, I could kind of do the avoidance thing again, but like with, with two, I just couldn't do it. And I think also, you know, I don't know how your kids interact, Lev, uh, but I kind of had this idea of like, oh, they'll be the kind, caring older brother and they will be the younger sister and that's how they'll interact. And to be quite honest, my son is not kind to his little sister <laughs> at all. Much more Dennis the Menace energy than uh, anything else. And it's, you know, I, I realized that was something that could happen. I never expected it. And so when he, you know, when he does the things like the stop touching me, right, or, or whatever, like, it's just, it takes both me and my wife to a place where it's it's not a good place. And And the best way to deal with that is just to remove him from the situation, remove you from the situation, you know, realize that 
at, at, at his root, he's dealing with a lot of issues of like jealousy and, you know, abandonment feelings because there is now this second child. Um, and just trying not to like lean into that, like, cause the, my daughter is very sweet, very kind, very gentle. And she's actually even said, uh, <laughs> this happened this last week. And it just, it's one of those things where your kid says something and you realize, Oh, I messed up. Oh, I messed up real bad. <laughs> um, we were talking and I was basically telling August, you know, if you don't leave your sister alone, we're not going to go and get the thing that you want to get. It was like a cake pop at Starbucks. And Lila said, and she's barely putting sentences together. Lila said, well, I'll still get one because I'm happy. <laughs> and I'm just like, Oh, great. I'm, I'm equating like to, to like putting forth the idea of being happy to please me, you know, just like all these, all these ideas in my head of like, I am, I am ruining them already. She's three years old. Um, and so that was one of those things like, Oh crap, I gotta, it is funny when they pop out with n- new words or ideas that you hadn't realized they could absorb because Faya, she's not two yet, but the words are coming in quicker and quicker these days. And she's pairing words, um, and so when phrases start popping out really clearly, it's like, oh, wow, you're really with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, when she first said triathlon, was that terrifying to you? No, 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 no. She never needs to know about daddy's old life. <laughs> She'll never meet the old me. I think if you keep hanging around your stepdad, Chris, though, she's eventually going to find out. That's true. And do you have like a little wooden box in the back of your stepdad, like with photos? Stepdad, Chris, you're talking about Chris Worthout, my friend who's barely older than me. Yeah, your stepdad. Yeah, you're gaslighting me. This is canon on the podcast. Aaron, (laughs) stepbrother, maybe you are gaslighting me on air, Aaron. (laughs) No, she'll she'll know about triathlon. She'll know. She'll know. And she'll be she'll be inclined for it someday, I'm sure, because she's already a better swimmer than 90% of children. And she's got the genetics for great running, and she'll be a phenomenal cyclist. How do you how do you know that better than 90%? Are you at like Foss Swim School doing laps? Is that what's going on here? Hey Aaron, this summer, you're gonna find out. Okay, okay. bye. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. My kid, not two, she can literally swim circles around you, Aaron. <laughs> I, that's not impressive. Yeah. yeah. At all. Lev, how's your swimming? Uh, my swimming is like a box of rocks. Okay. Hey, Lev, do you want lessons from my daughter? I, that'd be great. Yeah. $40 an hour. $40 an hour? Yeah. Lev, you're a coach, though. Here, okay, completely but, out I'm, of nowhere. I'm a swimming certified coach. <laughs> what? But well? the whole idea of like Belgians not touching water when they're racing bikes. Is that a thing? Is that a thing, Love? Should I not be touching water when I'm riding bikes? Hey, Liv, you're Armenian. Tell us about Belgian culture. Yeah, <laughs> let me tell you about Belgian culture. Exactly. Well, I have no idea. No idea. I'm just going to have to, we're going to have to get a Belgian on now. Yeah, there's, there, there's a lot of... Uh, oh, Wait, uh, do Belgians yeah. have fathers? Oh, that's a great question. Aaron, is that culturally insensitive to ask? <laughs> anyways uh devin are you feeling like you're getting the information that you need to prepare yourself for the second child or or do you have any questions i am feeling that i think the the emphasis on patience and the reminders on patience and just the little the little things like especially with an infant like 
if if he's going to be going ballistic and I'm starting to melt down, put him back in the crib for a minute, reset, yeah. come back and address the situation. I think that's really good advice because we're going into it. So he'll in theory come early September and we're kind of going into it having been through it once. And we basically expect six months of chaos, six months of just being tired and beat up and not, um, you know, hoping to kind of crawl out from that starting next spring. The other thing I'll say, and Lev, yep. I, I'm curious to see what you're doing with your kids, but getting it back to the cycling dad part of being the cycling dad's podcast, long bike is key. Yuba spicy curry. I own one. I love it. E-bike assist. Get the kids around. It's a, such an easy and great way to kill like hour, two hours on a weekend with both of the kids. You just strap them in. You got the Yuba, uh, uh, like handlebars for the big kid. You got the yep maxi seat in the back for the little one. Um, and then you just go to a park and hang out and it's, it's good stuff, man. So Lev, will your younger son be ready for time in a burly <laughs> this summer? No, no. Okay. The head control so is not, not until next yeah. year. You got to make okay. sure they have good, obviously good head control. So their neck is stable. And then, uh, I think Luke, our, our, yeah, Luca was in, um, the Burley probably at like, uh, she was born in July, 2018. So it was probably a year the following summer or so. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. I think or, it's a year is, is so. typically what they say. When you want to, I don't exactly that. remember, but it was definitely you know, like like he had to have, yeah. Because I'm thinking of getting a single chariot this summer. My stepfather Chris Worthout is selling his, <laughs> so I might scoop that up off of him. Because um, I think that Svea is definitely ready, um, and I want to just try it out and see if she takes to it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think. My, my wife was thinking, oh, no, you should just wait for a double and get a double. And I was like, well, I think I should just get the single so me and Svea can do the riding this summer. And then also she and I, is, by next summer, she and I will still be probably just solo, the right, two of us. Yeah. You know, So I think us, I would get plenty of use out of a single. Yep. The other thing, and this is apropos of absolutely nothing, but um, when it comes to strollers, just get the nice bob for the double stroller. Just do it. Be that jerk that has the double wide stroller on the path. It doesn't matter. It's so much easier to get your kids around on one of those things. We've, we, mu- we mucked around with like a, I don't know. It was like a Graco, you know, front to back double stroller for a little bit. And then we got the bob and one, they keep their value like crazy. We bought ours for 300 used. We sold it for 300. <laughs> like nice. it, it is, everyone's constantly looking for them. They just kind of cycle through. They last forever. Pneumatic tires, full suspension, uh, folds up real nice. Just do it. Just be that guy. I know we all hate that guy because we've all been riding on bike paths and there's that one person with like the triple or even the quadruple wide stroller. It's better that way. Just do it. I've never just felt uh, any emotion towards anybody with a double stroller. Oh, I <laughs> Again, secretly an angry person. Path. <laughs> yeah, Aaron, I that feel like we're uncovering a little deep. Aaron, we're uncovering a lot of buried yeah. rage in you. This, this isn't about me. Like, oh my this god, that person me. has a double stroller on the bike path. What <laughs> is going on? 
what is even happening here? I I know that other people feel this way because I have been the dumper stroller on a bike path and have been yelled at for it. So other psychopaths exist is all I'm saying. Yeah. Devin Lev, this isn't about me though. This is about this De- isn't about you. Can I tell you guys something that I've really enjoyed over the last five years? Is especially being a triathlete, and my wife mostly runs these days. Um, I go back and forth. I use our beautiful paths here in Minneapolis for running and for riding. And sometimes I find myself running on a bike path. Uh, I'm never riding on a bike on a run path, though. But the hatred between different brands of path users is so funny to me. Like so many bikers have yelled at my wife. Like my wife and a friend will be out running. And some crusty guy will be like, this is the bike path. Yep. <laughs> you know, they'll get, they'll get yelled at. And it's like, okay, guy. Uh, and then I'll be biking along and like someone's rollerblading on the bike path. And I'm like, Oh, get out of my way. You know, I just get <laughs> my blood. <gets> boiling. <laughs> <laughs> but just end the hate. Hey, end the hate between different varieties of path users. We're all, you got to find another sport. That's not, using the same venue that you're using for, for your main sport. What's your main sport, Dev? Podcasting. (laughs) 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 See, I never had that problem. I I go to the gym or I, or I am on the bike. There's two very distinct worlds. With Joe Rogan types like you, it's kettlebells, it's jujitsu, it's taekwondo. You know, you have so many different interests. If my kettlebell doesn't have DMT a sport for you, (laughs) if my kettlebell doesn't have an angry ape face on it, I don't want it. Okay, I need that. Exactly right. I need that. Listen, I wanted to broach a subject. This came up. A friend of mine was almost hilariously slandered in an online forum. Of course, the slow twitch forums. Um, Just the worst place on earth, the slow twitch forums, and it it brought back the slow twitch forums to my mind because as coming out of triathlon slow twitch is a triathlon website kind of the worst website like they really post a bunch of junk and then, like let's run yep or and then they have these yeah. really nasty forums where really i'm sure these people are just normal people but they get this forms degenerate into this weird toxic culture of just everyone tries to be funny and these are not funny people um and it, it just it spirals. So my friend got slandered like this psycho. And I, the guy actually is a psycho. I've dealt with him in the past. He is a complete psycho. Uh, he slandered my friend. <laughs> and suddenly my friend got dragged into this weird conversation on these forums. And he felt the need to go defend himself. And so I had to go look at the drama. <laughs> like oh, it do. was really enjoyable. I, I mean, I am... I am a, 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 I do have an appetite for online drama. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Speaking of so, online drama. No, excuse me. Aaron, oh, no, you have more. There's more. I'm speaking. I'm sorry. There's more. <laughs> so it brought the slow twitch forums back to top of mind for me. And Lev, since you're here and you're an educated coach and a working professional coach. Yeah. And you have real credibility when you speak about training techniques and all kinds of choices within endurance sports does it drive you up the wall when people online throw around big opinions with complete confidence and they may or may not be right and they certainly don't have credibility yeah obviously yeah it's what drives me i mean not crazy but it's 
more of uh, like uh, say an, an athlete is looking at that and then they might come to myself and say, well, so-and-so is doing it this way, you know, A, B, and C, and they're getting this result. And they, you know, sometimes it's actually the person is very credible and they're providing research to back up their, um, their discussion about it. But you also have to look at, sometimes it's like, well, you have to look at the research and what is the research saying and who was in the research? Was there, there's 16 people in this research study, ages 20 to 25. And, you know, then they're coming up with a, um, you know, there's a, there was a significant um, increase in say their VO2 max or something for the, the workouts that they were given. But we don't know where those individuals, where their fitness is coming from, where they are, um, what their nutrition is like, you know, their carbohydrate intake, their protein, their fat intake, which affects their, the way they metabolize, you know, uh, fuel while training on the bike or running or tra- whatever. So yeah, it, it does. Those opinions are, are tough, but it's also, it, there's a lot of education that I do with, um, the athletes I coach in terms of, you know, this is what, this is what you're doing. This is the result we're getting. And, this is what we need to do differently to um, achieve what you want to achieve. So I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah. It's, so it's mostly just the existence of these online experts doesn't bother you. You are more, you get, <laughs> it only affects you when it filters to you via one of your athletes getting this bad advice. Right. And they bring it to your door, and, but it's an, it's an education opportunity for you. Yeah. So yeah, there's, you know, for example, I've seen there's some YouTube videos with some uh, credible coaches who have worked at with some great companies and have gone off on their own. And uh, they definitely slam some of the uh, other online uh, like cycling companies for their workouts and um, workout plans and, and so on and so on. And then they provide research or to show why you shouldn't do this plan or why you should do X, you know, A, B, and C, but really coaching is more advanced than the research because if I'm working with you, Devin, and I need to, we're trying to, you know, increase your, say your FTP, something very basic. Um, you know, we need, you know, there's a certain, there's going to be a certain amount of overload that you need to get. And we need to see what else is going on in your day-to-day life. Um, so that you can recover from that overload, from that stimulus of training. Um, and it's not going to be like doing sweet spot intervals every, you know, three or four times a week. It could be doing some VO2 intervals and a long ride and then maybe some sweet spot stuff. So it really depends. Or frankly, like we might get into a progression of sessions and it's like Devin's achieving the workouts, but we're really not seeing the results we want. And then you talk to me more and it's February of 2022. And it's like, Oh yeah, I'm four months into having my second kid. And it's like, Oh, well, there you go. Right. You're not recovering cause you're not sleeping. Yeah. So you, you as the coach would have to find, yeah. Get to the real heart of the issue there. Right. So yeah, I definitely use, you know, I, I look at more of the research, um, part of things. And then I take things away from that research and I see if it's going to be uh, applicable to or applicable to the, the athlete and, you know, their life scenario. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, there's a lot of opinions out there. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing, one of the things that I learned, um, at USA cycling, uh, during the level one certification was there's no silver bullet, right? There's no one thing that you're going to do, uh, that will make somebody super successful. There's a bunch of things and you need to be very, you need to be adaptable as a coach, as an athlete to be open enough to make some changes. Uh, and those changes can come from rest recovery, uh, nutrition, hydration, all kinds of stuff. So there was a period, I think around 08. So the late, just before 2010, so maybe 08, 09 through maybe 2011, 2010, there's a very savvy marketer, very good businessman, good marketer in triathlon coaching and guy from the UK. He was over in San Francisco, like running some spin studios and he saw a very clear path <clears throat> to building his brand. And that path was riding the success of elite athletes. So he paired himself with a few like high-end elite Ironman athletes and one really high-end amateur Ironman athlete. And he got, he basically rode to success. This guy, Chris Lieto, who was one of the best cyclists in pro triathlon. Um, Chris had one amazing race at Kona. He biked off the front and he held on for second place. So it was like the biggest result of his career. And it was like, what a phenomenal day. Mm-hmm. And this guy rode Chris on Chris Lieto's back. This guy built his name. Yeah. And then he kept, you know, he got a good roster of other elites. Um, and I mean, hats off to the guy, great marketer, brilliant coach, mm-hmm. not I, probably good, but not, there was no mystery. There was, there was no secret sauce, but he marketed himself like, Oh Yeah we're doing quality over quantity. Yeah. So he kind of launched this new era of quality over quantity. So he had all this verbiage. None of that would like one of my friends, actually the friend who was slandered on slow twitch recently <laughs> was coached by this guy. And I was like, yeah, that wasn't, we just did norm. You know, it was just training. It wasn't like there was no secret sauce there, but he packaged it and presented right. it. Yeah. Like there's a secret sauce to draw in tons of high paying mm-hmm. age group. So it's like he built a great business yeah. using the right public athletes. It drove me bonkers, bonkers. And this goes to your comment. One of his athletes was this executive, incredibly physically gifted, you know, really well-to-do professional guy and like had this meteoric short career where he was very good. I think he maybe won his age group at Kona or something. So it's like he's one of these amateurs who suddenly is just doing it. Yeah. And this guy, like one of the triathlete magazines did a whole article on this age group. We're like, oh, wow, he only trains when he feels like it. And he only does this kind of intervals and blah, blah, blah. It it made it sound like magical what this guy was doing. And it's like, yeah, he's a phenomenal, gifted racehorse of a human being. Like this guy is special. Right. He's found a little rhythm that works for him. He's not talking about the full scope of what he does to prepare, mm-hmm. but they present it like, Oh, he's just casual. You know, it's just like, he does a little of this, a little of that. And he's oh, yeah. magically winning Kona. Yeah. <laughs> and one of my athletes literally sent me that article. Like, this is how I want to train. I'm like, well, you need to become much more talented if you want to just do whatever this Roni is doing, because <laughs> you need better parents. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's be, you need better parents. So you need more money. If you can do those two things, you're set. 
Yeah, but it, it it leads to those education opportunities. I actually see yeah. that quite a bit in real estate too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because I bring a lot of the coaching attitude. You know, especially with buyers, we're yeah. working together for several months towards a big goal, and there's a lot of ups and downs and moments where, oh, let me, you have a an idea about this, or maybe a miscon, you heard a misconception about that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, here's the research, or here's right. the facts and information, so yeah. we can. And I think going. Going back to hard data and research, it just give it helps you oh, yeah. clear up misconceptions like that. Right. And I yeah. think the the that's the big advantage of a coach, right? Is like I've probably spent my entire time riding a bike trying to figure out how much I should ride, what I should ride, how hard I should ride, what I should eat, you know, all that stuff to try to figure out a way to get to the fitness that I want. And then you have a season where it just comes together. Right. And I'm not actually doing the work of figuring out like, well, how, what did I do to make that happen? I just want that again, you know? And so I think just, you know, for, to, to plug you Lev, you know, your services, what you're doing, you know, premier training systems, that's huge, right? You can, I've been mucking around for a a decade trying to figure out how to get fast. Uh, and I'm still not there. I could just give you money in exchange and, you know, in three or four months have a pretty good idea of like, Oh yeah. Based off of, you know, the external factors and conversations with you and my input and my recovery, this is what works for you, right? Like that's invaluable. And I still haven't done it. So yeah. I mean, you can uh, go online go to the forum or go to my forum, not forum. And you can fill out <laughs> go the, to the forum, <laughs> fill out the form, athlete form, athlete intake form. And somebody, and uh, I will be in touch with you, Aaron. Someone but, will, you know, someone from our hotline will call you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the, one of the most enjoyable things for myself and in, in the coaching, uh, in my profession, um, is, seeing athletes, you know, achieve their goals and continue to improve year after year. And, uh, it's, and the, cha- the training is not the same every year. So it's not like, okay, well this right. worked, th- even if it worked, it's not the same because we need to apply a different kind of, a different stimulus, um, to, and you can, you can do several different kinds of, uh, you know, anaerobic intervals and achieve the same, a very similar or same result as far as uh, a fitness um, gain, but it's knowing how to do that and establishing that during the, during the, you know, in the training calendar during the season or outside of the season uh, to establish that success. So, cause a lot of it too is mentally and being mentally engaged. And if you're doing, you know, yeah, I do have athletes do sweet spot intervals, but we're changing things up during the, if it's a 20 minute interval, it's not all always just 20 minutes, just 20 minutes, 90 RPM and uh, good luck talking to yourself the entire time. Yeah. Now, Lev, I read in cycling news that um, three by 10 minute sweet spot is just the ideal session that all athletes should be. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when a certain training technique gets trendy Yeah, and then it's like, okay, yes, this is a tool in the tool belt. There is no... Do you experience this where you people want just to kind of do one thing? Okay. Be it Le- sweet spot or this is a great place for me to interject. Lev, yep. I will go online and fill the intake form on one condition. <laughs> I want to do five Zwift races a week. Can that yep. be my training? Yep. Can yeah, that, that be his training? Yeah, that's your training then. You don't need to fill out the form. 
<laughs> and <laughs> well, I get the results I want immediately. Yeah, you'll get within them in, two weeks. within yeah, like Devin. Yeah, two to four weeks, you'll have results, and and then after that, you'll probably be off your bike. <laughs> the funniest thing about endurance sports research, and I noticed this always at the U when I was getting my masters, is oh, well, yeah, first of all. Yeah. If a study is going to get published, it kind of has to show a result, right? Like, otherwise it just isn't going to get published. So there's a bias towards showing an outcome. Yeah. So all these research, you can find as many research studies as you want showing that intervals improve VO2 max because intervals are specific. They're controllable. You can do a protocol of six to eight weeks of intervals and it will, by the very nature of intensity, that will produce a result. But to think then that like, oh, well, intervals are the key. It's like, yes, intervals are a tool that fits in the overall training program. But to think like, oh, yeah, I'll just keep doing intervals indefinitely and my results will keep. It's like, no, 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 no. You do six to eight weeks of intervals, you're primed. It doesn't go on for infinity. It drops off like the results stagnate. And then after a certain period, it gets problematic. So it's like. You need that you you can't just read the study and say I'm going to do intervals improve my VO2. It's like that needs to be part of a larger context. And it's also funny. And yeah, I want your opinion, Lev. VO2 FTP, like a lot of the very measurable outcomes, and certainly FTP is something you can help a client improve over time. That especially in cycling, because cycling is so strategic, it's such a specific way that you have to go about winning. Having the biggest FTP in the race has almost no bearing on like you being first across the finish line. No, no, absolutely not. So when you're dealing in the Midwest, Mm -hmm. yeah, where it's crits, it's like, it's a different beast, right? Chris Anderson won the state title in 2016. He was going to break a five. I think you and Tristan were in that break together. We were, he worked you both over. He did. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. My, my state champion, Chris Anderson, (laughs) my team, (laughs) uh, he had, I can almost guarantee you, he had the lowest FTP in that breakaway of five. Yeah. But he had the skill set to save energy in corners and crits. Mm-hmm. And he had the strategic mind to sprint at the right moment. Mm-hmm. So it's like he had his own tools and it didn't matter if you had a 50 watt advantage in your FTP. No. He played his cards and he won. Yeah. He did. Yeah, he did win. Is that is that a painful memory when Chris blew by you? <laughs> it was just like a slow. He's just going away. No, it's not painful. I was happy for him. He's a good friend. So, but it's a it's a yeah positive it's uh, you know it yeah it, the FTP or also known as anaerobic threshold is it's something important to have and it does help. We do I do work on that quite a bit with athletes and obviously try to increase it as much as possible because if the athlete has a higher FTP and they're able to, uh, you know, say their FTP is 300 Watts and we increase it to 330. So there's a 10% boost. And in that crit, they, they're still averaging the amount of energy it takes is say a thousand kilojoules to complete an hour effort, which is 280 Watts or 270 Watts for the hour. Then they're using, you know, less of their, uh, they're using less carbohydrate to get to that finish line. So the, they'd have more in reserve to sprint 
So we, yeah. we or, do or set themselves up to sprint in the final couple laps. So they right. they're not coming in gas; they're coming in ready to pop. Yeah. So they're coming in with yeah. a bit more more energy. What's funny, Lev, in is carbohydrates. In car- Aaron and I are at times we have been very close in like our sustainable watts. So it's like when I'm out of shape and Aaron's on the uptick and he's getting in shape, we're actually our power power profiles might be comparable. But Aaron. You know I have your number. You know, you know I can go to bigger watts. So it, even if our FTPs are the same, Aaron, you know I can always take you at the end. Well, it's funny that Lev mentions the carbohydrate thing for sprinting because currently in my body I have none. And do so. you think that's going to help you when you're battling me? No, but it's it is helping me in other areas that I think that when I turn the carbohydrate faucet back on. Wait, are you teeing up an excuse right now? You're you're no, no. This is this is part of my plan. But when I turn that carbohydrate faucet back on, but bam, maybe. But bam. Oh I'm just gonna enjoy life better. You're threatening me. That's a threat. Uh it's a promise. Hey, you better I think you really should hire Lev to by the Train way, Devin, over the course of the summer and just beat me. An Do individual. Uh, this would be a good. Maybe I could come on for a fourth, fourth time. Devin, you <laughs> or I mean a, a third coach? time. Do I have a coach? Do you have a coach? I run ten to thirty minutes three times a week, and I ride. 45 to 70 minutes, Not the three question. to four times a week. Is someone telling you to do those things? Do I need someone to tell me <laughs> to do those things? <laughs> no, no, I do not, Aaron. All the other benefits that we just talked about, adjusting for external factors, your child coming, right? Talking to you about what's going on, uh, uh, switching things up so that you're not just kind of doing the same thing, right? Diminishing returns, all those other benefits that you could get with uh, a coach like Lev from premiertrainingsystems.com. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have that? No, no, okay. I don't. I don't have it either. So I think, <laughs> I, I think we'll just and skip he, that level, but you need it. <laughs> you definitely work on it. <laughs> well, thank you so much, uh, Lev for coming on the podcast. I honestly, this was such a great uh, conversation. Uh, and the, the energy you brought out of Devin both times, all three times is, awesome so we got to get kind of giddy around love you do you, yeah. it's a little bit fangirly but we i try to put on a show for him like oh boy Lev's here i gotta <laughs> oh, oh did i mention that i have a master's in uh sports <laughs> uh <laughs> have i mentioned my med let me just, let me just uh, uh casually and you can't see this uh, ladies and gentlemen but there is a giant uh uh, uh diploma behind devin's head yeah. and he's also smoking a pipe for some reason devin Anyways. palmer remax results Dumb Palmer, Remax results, master's education, sport next science. <laughs> uh, Lev, is there any other advice either for uh, uh, Devin's inevitable defeat at my thighs or um, his second coming of a child that you would like to offer before we close out today's episode? I mean, I have seen the impact of Devin sprinting, and it's pretty difficult to uh, to come around him. So oh. you're definitely going to need some. A large amount of carbohydrates to beat Devin. <laughs> <laughs> so Lev is speaking from experience there because Lev rode back from Wisconsin. Where, what? Uh, Danbury. Web Lake area, Danbury area in Wisconsin. So we did a 135 ride, mile ride together. It was me, Ooh. Chris Anderson, Lev, Andy Keo, and Bart. They were the donkey label guys at the time. And uh, Chris and I were Bore Factory racing at the time. So it was kind of 
three on two. Yeah. And Lev, in all the town sign sprints on that 135 mile ride, how many times did you three cat ones, Bart, Lev, Andy, all cat ones versus me? I was a cat four at the time. In all those town sign sprints. Yeah, it's amazing that Devin beat us, but he also ate the most the night before than everybody. I powered up. <laughs> because Bart didn't have any food at the cabin, and Devin was fearful of starving, so he ordered two entrees. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it, folks. Carbohydrates will equal victory against Cat 1s, even if you're only a Cat 4. So to, to put it very succinctly, Lev, now that and put it on the forums, get the word out, talk to Bicycling Magazine, uh, eat two entrees the night before a race and you will win. Yep. Easy enough. Done. Yep. Done. There's the golden ticket. There's the golden ticket. Awesome. Yep. Well, thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. And uh, we will see you all here uh, next Monday. Bye.